RadioInfluence.com. Let me tell you why you're here. You have 210 stories. What truth? Office buildings. Oh we just witnessed some kind of... You don't find a desk. Secondary. Secondary. You don't find a chair. Follow-up explosion on the World Trade Center. You don't find a telephone. Well, some kind of explosion. A lot of smoke come out of the top. 110 stories high. They are no longer there. The building collapsed to dust. To dust. To dust. To dust. To dust. To dust. This is your last chance. I would ask. After this, there is no turning back. Once all the facts are out, you take the blue pill. For your understanding. The story ends. And for your forgiveness. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. Media is the... You take the red, red ...nervous pill. system of a democracy. You stay in Wonderland. If it's not functioning well, the, the democracy, democracy can't, can't function. function. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The, the democracy red pill. can't function. The red pill. Take the red pill. You have to let it all go. WTC7.net. Free your mind. Take the red pill. It's like, oh shit! I forgot something. Hang on a sec. That's right. It's a twist off Wednesday. A dangerous conversation. Send in your twist offs, and we'll send you a bumper sticker and a T-shirt that's worth like eight cents because it was made in Mexico. Bye. God, I miss radio. I miss like that old radio stuff, not the crap that's all over the airwaves now. If I told you, and I'm being completely honest, hang on a sec. <clears throat> if I told you that I really, honestly, hardly ever listen to terrestrial radio anymore, would you believe me? And I'm not bullshitting you. Listen, this is it. Part of it is me saying goodbye to it and all the stuff that's going on in, in my world, but it's but it, it has a lot to do with like, you know, oh, you know, I was a fan of NYPD Blue. Oh, the first four seasons are the best. Or I'm a Star Wars fan. And they're like, well, you know, episodes four, five, and six. And people that appreciate something at the peak of what it was find it very hard to digest the new shit. Because the new shit is new and it's shit. Hit the post. <laughs> I was born to be a DJ. That's right. A puker. These called pukers, man. They're talking like this. Let's check the weather. 
That's right. Thanks for calling. You're caller number 4,076. You won a balloon. Yeah. I know. What's your favorite radio station? (laughs) I missed that radio. That's what I missed. Uh, welcome on into Dangerous Conversation. Uh, I think I'll just call it the stream of consciousness. That's what I'm feeling. Uh, the, my Facebook timeline is queued up. I am looking at a um, announcement card about the size of a postcard of my wonderful granddaughter, Haley. One, two, three, four, five, six different pictures of this little angel dressed like an angel, sleeping like a... And she got a little hippie headband on right there. That's cool. I like that. And I just talked to my daughter, yeah, 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 last night. And I, I finally get in my mind. It's not just looking at my granddaughter and saying, "Wow, I'm a grandfather," and there's two generation, you know, three generation kind of thing going on. That's not what it is to me. What I've noticed is my kid has a kid. And watching my daughter go through everything her mother and I went through when she was born. You know, being new to parenting. And uh, we just have these great talks. And I, you know, I get all welled up and I, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to be that way all the time, but. I have to tell you, it brings out some amazing emotions, and uh, it's just a neat time to be alive right there. Looking at my granddaughter, mm-hmm, right there. So I'm thinking, you know, I was like, you know, sometimes I just want to cover an issue, uh, or uh, in the case of what everything that's going on right now. Uh, sometimes I want to sway away from politics. Sometimes I like doing shows that are about positive information, you know, like stories about billionaires that have a heart and new inventions and new technologies. And I found that a lot of times on my own timeline on Facebook, these Facebook more than Twitter, I really do try to do the same thing. If I'm programming my own program here, and saying, well, I want to make sure I do enough stories about cool tech or green. You know, like today I'm going to talk about vertical farming just a bit because it's on my timeline. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And I get to th- that point where I'm like, you know, I, I want to live a balanced life. And I think if I look down my timeline, I, you know, oh yeah, here's one completely entrenched in my wacko sense of humor. And here's another post that has nothing to do with politics. And, oh, yeah, here's a post about my favorite football team. And, oh, yeah, this is memories of playing sports with buddies 25 years ago. I wanted my timeline, as they call it, literally. Think about it. It's your timeline. And I have this theory... I don't know if it's legal if you can legally lock into your Facebook and preserve it forever and have it be available where people <laughs> and that's the always interesting part posthumously will go to your site and say I miss you man because your site's still open because only one person knows the pass the password and stuff and I I have a feeling that 
this data, this information, this timeline in our lives that a lot of us use. It's how I know. I know way more about where my daughter's. Oh, that's her and her cousin. They went out to uh, an apple orchard and they took their babies and they're sitting there and they took a selfie. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm fucking 1,400 miles away from my daughter. I would love to be able to just know, not when I say know everything, I don't mean that in a, in a, uh, an intrusive way. I mean, it is at this distance, this is the best way she can share her life with me and mine with her. Now we have text and talk and Skype and we have all those things that we use, but I can still go back like I did on her timeline and my timeline when I think I told you quite a few months ago when Kelly and I went up north to camp with her and Wally, her husband, and we're sitting around the campfire, and I got to admit, Kelly makes a killer fucking margarita. I had a lot of reasons I love Kelly, but that's one of them. <laughs> and she made my daughter one. I was like, honey, come on, we're we're vacationing here. We're camping by this river in the fall. It's good. Like, you know, let's, let's have a little drink or two. It's, you know, father-daughter, let's get hammered. Woo-hoo! You know? And she's like, yeah. And she just kind of like, <clears throat> 10 minutes later, she's handing me this T-shirt that says number one grandpa. It's like one of those generic things. Not, I, I'm not making fun of the T-shirt. I'm just saying it's like if you go to a Cracker Barrel, it's got like one of those, you know, it looks like almost like a whiskey logo. But it's and I'm looking at it. And as soon as I see it, I'm like, holy shit. Holy shit. My baby is going to have a baby. I look at her, our eyes meet, I well up, she wells up. Okay, I can go back and visit that. Right now, my granddaughter's eight weeks old. I can go back to the moment on her timeline. I think there should be a movement. I don't know all the legalities of what your life is. Um, uh, can you can you you know can you leave it in your will to keep your Facebook open? I don't know. I don't know that kind of stuff. And that's not really where tonight's show is going, but it does. It Because we're going to visit my timeline. That's why, <clears throat> what the show's about tonight. Is you're actually, <laughs> and you're not egotistical. Oh, maybe, you know what? Okay. At least some of your ego is invested in your Facebook timeline. Okay. How many people post... I was wrong. I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) That would be the rarest Facebook post on the planet. It's always, you're wrong. You're an asshole. Fuck you. (laughs) Uh, How many people on Facebook go, you know what? I've been rethinking things and I'm a douchebag. (laughs) Oh, shit. You know? It's like when you walk by the mirror in in the uh, in the bathroom and you see yourself real quick and you stop and you look and the, and the person on the other side would be going to you like I can't believe you just posted that. <laughs> so you have this alter ego, this ego, this Facebook timeline 
And another thing about Facebook, as you can see, it's, it is the theme of tonight. And we'll have some fun with it, I promise. It really, truly, and honestly is a monument to yourself. And I don't mean you're doing this or I'm doing this or anybody's doing this consciously like, well, when I die, I want people to go all the way back to my Facebook page and they can, they can see the last 38 years of my life played out in pictures and posts and videos and laughed. It is literally you. Not literally you, of course. It's, <clears throat> it's a digital library of the life that you have led. You're politically fired up and angry. You're uh, a complete and utter um, <laughs> whatever. Fill in the goddamn blank. Fill in the blank. Okay? People take pride in being obnoxious or being sarcastic on Facebook. And I, the show isn't just about Facebook, but the show is about, I honestly think, if it is legal to secure your rights to your Facebook page so it can somehow live in cyberspace forever, maybe not on their same same um, routers and all that shit. I don't know that digital end of it, but I'm wondering about, is your information about you your property? It would seem to me it is. Now, the reason you sign this agreement, I promise you, you know, brrr, 1,800 pages, and you got to check yes, and you click enter, and then, yay, my software downloaded. I got this stuff, and I get to use this thing called Facebook, and, and it really is keeping track <clears throat> of not just my life, but my friends' lives. How many times have I wished somebody happy birthday? I don't remember. Uh, let me see. Jer Jeremy? Yeah, Jeremy's birthday was yesterday. I don't remember that. It's, it's part like your brain. It's part social calendar. It is definitely a way for people to connect during the time of pain. And I say that. Because I remember Brad Zanstra and briefly talking to his wife, Kim, and Brad was a big fan of Dangerous Conversation on Radio I.O. And, and he used to, you know, pay me some nice compliments and say, dude, you're, you know, like you're network worthy uh, air personality and you open, you open my mind on some things. And, and I could tell he appreciated what I've always tried to do in my career. And we bonded a little bit. And then he's, you know, he's a metal drummer. And he knows I'm the rock DJ, and then he gets fucking cancer. But I can go to his page, and I can scroll. And I can see his life before he passed away. And I can see it, the hard part right at the end, and the hard part Kim is going through right now. And I can also go back to five years ago in his life when, you know... He's wearing his Mets jersey. He's playing baseball with his buddies. He's got this great wife. <clears throat> there is something about Facebook, and I know all the conspiracy uh, attached to it and the ownership and where all of this information must be funneling to. There's this. There must be this amazing digital library of my life. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. If I go on Facebook, I can. You can realize. 
pretty much my political opinions. You can you can sit there and go, oh, I didn't know he had, uh, you know, oh, he's divorced. You know, and you go through all those things. It is kind of an information packet on your life. Who owns that? It's your life. So that's the side note. That's not what tonight's show is about. Tonight's show is really uh, (laughs) about fucking around on my timeline. And I need good fucking around music on my timeline. Music. And I always love 60s elevator music kind of stuff. Because it has that perfect element of cheese to it. Hang on a second. Now that's game show. That's game show. That's like a new car. The nineteen sixty-seven Cadillac Bonneville with real genuine aluminum wheels. Um, come on, back. go. No, oh, that's cheesy. There it is. See, that's like elevator music, like you know. It's like this music has. It really doesn't have any effect on you. <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah. Don't you just want to, like, stroll in a store and buy a cantaloupe? Oh, the fresh melons are in. Hi, Robert. How are the kids? It's like this... It takes me to a time in my life in the 60s when I was, you know, in my wonder years, where it's just... Now it's cheesy as fuck. Okay, it's cheesy as fuck. <laughs> but it also just has this little... Um, what's for dinner, Mom? TV dinners. We're eating in front of the TV tonight. Bring your tray. Oh, yes! I love it! I love my little brownie at the end and my TV dinner and my turkey that's not cooked all the way through and it's literally frozen in the middle and my mashed potatoes that resemble nothing that even comes close to a fucking potato <laughs> and my Lionel train set is set up in the corner around the Christmas tree <laughs> and then I, I listen to this music now and I go like holy shit this is like what my mom would put on, you know, like on an album on our stereophonic television radio, AM, FM, with big speakers. Yeah. <clears throat> so my point is, uh, there's always seems to be, in my lifetime, there's always uh, an accompanying music that goes along with things you talk about. I mean, if you watch a documentary about the 60s, you're going to hear music from that because it takes you into that realm. But I never could, I was like, all right, what would Facebook's music be? You know, like, and, you know, you were, we're all getting those, oh, yes, you and so-and-so have been friends for seven years today on Facebook. I go, okay, we've been friends a long time. We know that. Um, do I celebrate my friends, my Facebook friendship? <laughs> It's like some of the stuff this page gives me is awesome. And some of it is like I picture they're in the boardroom going, Johnson, 
We need to find a way to connect Joe with Jim a little more often. Because if they do, our algorithms show us that together they might be uh, in the demographic we're looking to to bulk sale this blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically, any, any, I guess you could say, it, uh, what is Facebook? It's not an appliance. Um, I, I would call it an app. And this app is a way that people communicate for business. They talk about their own businesses. So this thing has so much potential to it. But every once in a while, they just slip you a nothing burger like you and Rick have been friends on Facebook for four years, and they show you, like, a picture of you two together. Like, it's like, oh, what are you supposed to do? Fucking tear up? I'm like, eh, yeah, okay, thanks, that's great. <clears throat> Moving on. I'd rather see that scientists have found a multidimensional universe inside our brain. Thank you very much, fucking Facebook. If you know, it's kind of like Julie's the cruise director on the love boat, and yeah, if everything in Facebook funneled through one dorky sales guy that went, Hey, we could put this picture together and have it be a clock, and it would burst into little glitter, and Harry Potter wands would go, Wee! And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'll click on the Harry Potter, click on the Harry Potter. You have to make sure you click on Fuck you! I'm not fucking clicking on the Harry Potter. By the way, for the record, I don't know who the fuck Harry Potter is. I have never seen a Harry Potter movie. And yes, I've never fucking picked up a Harry fucking Potter book. I couldn't. I know he is black hair and his round glasses. And there's like a redheaded kid and a blonde who's like grown up to be hot, right? Usually that's how it works. You know, they start off, they grab you at puberty, man. And they just have her just be in every movie. And you're like, oh, 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 oh. look at the little lasses blooming. And you're like, oh, no, I'm just a Harry Potter fan. <sighs> See, I was like Marsha Brady with me, not Marsha. Yeah, it was Marsha. So Facebook gives you, I think, this wonderful spider web of everything that's connected to everything that's connected to everything called the Internet, where you can not only, and, you know, I'm not going to be sentimental. I, I, the show wasn't about, you know, your old posts and whether you own them or, or not. But if you do know, please let me know. Uh, who owns that intellectual property of your opinions, your actual narratives in your life? If it's me and my dog in the park, um, that's me. And I know when you post it, it is public domain at that point. What I'm talking about is, is there a way to protect it? So it can't go away or no one can attack it after you die and stuff like that. So if you know that, let me know. But yeah, I... I love it because if you end up following the right pages that really appeal to you, your timeline is a newswire. Some of these independent news organizations I follow are from different countries. They're from Japan. Uh, you know, I talk about it all the time. If I'm going to try to get a decent opinion of what's going on in the world, 
I am going to listen to Al Jazeera America. I am going to listen to RT. I am going to listen to NHK Tokyo or CNN or um, uh, BBC or any, any and all of them. Between all of those propaganda, semi-propaganda, hopefully little bit of propaganda, <clears throat> you can at least discern uh, a lot about... You can go into something with a healthy conversation and an opinion based on having at least heard explained three or four different ways. That's the beauty of the Internet to me, is I do take my time... You know, every event that happens, people are like, oh, false flag, false flag. I'm like, Jesus Christ, it happened eight minutes ago. So I'm not that guy. I'm the opposite. I like to take my time and, and go through things. And as we're seeing in a, a story we, I'm pretty sure, will visit during the show, is the backtracking on stories sometimes. But yeah, I'm not kidding. You know, when someone posts to my page, scientists have found a multidimensional... It's 11 different dimensions, universe, a multidimensional universe inside our brain. Now, I know my eyes see things in three dimensions, so my perception is three dimensions. But inside my brain, there are as many as 11 different kinds of uh, filters, fibers, Highways, neuro, yeah, like neuro, neurological highways and byways, off ramps and on ramps. <clears throat> Basically, saying our brain is, you know, I, I really should do my music though. That's this isn't an evil one though. Let me see. See who we got here. Hang on. <laughs> see what I mean? Yeah. See this right here. You know what this is? This is like a Pepsi commercial from 1962. There it is. Well, it was a Pepsi commercial. So it doesn't necessarily fit the story I'm talking about. And that's how I feel Facebook is sometimes. Now this... What, okay, hang on, hang on. Yeah, this is like, get along, little doggies, we're on the prairie trail. That's what this is. See, it's like a frontier feeling to it. Or like driving a convertible on uh, the Pacific Coast Highway with the wind in your hair. Like like Steve McQueen. Scientists have found multidimensional universe inside our brain. I know. Isn't that keen? All right, doesn't fit. So I am thinking, um, okay, so, you know, this is the music I'll use if I talk about Trump right here. Here we go. And somebody morphed his head on top of Tony Montana, covered in Coke, big pile of, yeah, snow. He's, it looks like Mount Everest on that table. There's so much blow on there. And he's got it on him. On his nose, on his lip, on his chin, in his hair, on his vest, on the lapel of his jacket. I mean, just the amount of coke that's on his body is <laughs> probably like, I don't know. I don't do coke. Someone knows. I don't know, that's approximately um, 
28 grams. There's that guy who knows that shit. Uh, let me see what else we got. As we scroll up the timeline. Yes, hang on. Hang on, we gotta change back. Now, you know what? We gotta go with, like, something that's... There, hang on a sec. There we go. That's better. Oh, personality, dude. I haven't talked too much about cereal lately because uh, I have really noticed that when you have either a false flag or fake news, and either is a lie. Remember, they're both a lie. And sometimes, remember, I, I, I don't talk about it enough, and I think I should, is the lie of omission. Because these news organizations, and we are going to talk about that tonight. Fake news, CNN! So sometimes it is literally an outright lie, sometimes it's an omission, and sometimes it is literally reading a propaganda sheet handed to you by some bigwig in Washington saying, this is our report on Syria, where there's been, oh, actually no evidence, and so on and so forth. So I found myself, <clears throat> after the first Assad accusation, which was what? Four years ago, right? Yeah. That was proven wrong, that he did not gas his own people. Remember, this is about pipelines and Saudi Arabia and um, that's another country. Slips my mind. They want to run natural gas pipelines and they have to go through Syria into Turkey, yada, yada, yada. So those big oil companies can make a, a larger slice of Europe's natural gas imports because Russia owns 70% of those imports and Russia is an ally with Syria. So there we have it. This is why Assad says, no, fuck you. See you later. I don't want, <clears throat> excuse me, your rust. We don't need no stinking pipelines. Okay, we don't, we don't need that. So they have to keep making up these reasons for us to invade another country for the geopolitical, and not to mention, no central bank in Syria either. So Trump intel, Trump, I'm sorry, Trump ignored intel launched tomahawks in Syria based on media claims. Okay, okay. Think about that again. It's not like someone from inside the CIA, NSA, whatever the three fucking letters are, come to the... Mr. President, yes, we have some intel. Uh, and this is verified in six different ways. And we've even checked with other foreign consulates for confirmation of this. And we have a 100% accuracy and assurance that, that Assad did gas his people. Okay, I'm Donald Trump. I'm like, all right. <clears throat> Let's bomb him. And he does, right? But that's not what happened. Donald Trump makes up his mind to launch, what was it, 60 Tomahawks, I think it was? A million dollars a piece, something like that. Was that Raytheon that just made 60 million because they got to replace all those? Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. But Donald Trump decides to decide... Why he launches those? Because he saw it. I saw it on the TV. Okay, the the media told me that Syria's bad and that man is bad. And guess what? 
Guess what? I bombed the shit out of his airport. Nothing happened, really. It's kind of more symbolistic than anything. But... Great story, man. It's good to know that the the man with his finger on the big red button is on Twitter. Don't you feel safe? <laughs> oh, it was the day after. Jason Robards was in it. I think Steve Gutenberg was a young actor in it. It was like an ABC TV movie. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody else famous in it, but uh, Jason Robards played the key. He was a doctor like Kansas City or somewhere out there where all the missile silos are. This is like early 80s, you know, the 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 first Russia scare, not this one. <laughs> the first Russia scare was coming to an end and they needed to, you know, have a boogeyman. So they were going to have uh, Judgment Day, if you will. Uh, we nuke them, they nuke us. And all those things land and, you know, everybody's walking around with their flesh falling off and yeah... Nothing like driving that point. You want to drive some fear into people's minds? Show a whole bunch of people standing in a field watching 12 missiles leave right next to horses. And then on the other end of that. I guess fear is just the way to control the psyche. And, and, and when you... Control the psyche, you can control a single person, and if you control a single person, eventually you can control the herd and the and definitely the herd mentality. Because, they, and there's a reason for that, by the way, is because we, as a species, are both. We love our independence. I love being me by myself. I'm independent of me. You can't move me, or you know, I have my own freedoms to move, and so on and so forth. And then there's the I don't want to be my myself by myself. I want to be part of a hive or a group or a village or or all of those things. So we we have a tendency to want both. So as we turn to media um like Facebook it gives us a little bit of a hey, here's my independent line right here. Go up and down this line. Or you can click on that person's face or page or whatever and go over and see some of their life. Now, we all know that most of the bullshit on our life, in our life, doesn't end up on Facebook. It's mostly, wow, these guys are jet skiing every weekend and they look so happy. So we know, we know, we know that we mostly post those things. But this story that Donald Trump launched missiles based on what his TV and social media told him about Syria. That's not good. <laughs> Just say it. Come on. Mr. President, here are the keys. Do you have the codes? Yes, but I'm on Twitter. I'll be right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes all the way back to like Brezhnev and Kennedy, and you know, the you know the little bat phone, the little red phone that would light up the direct backline communications. I do not want to launch missiles, Mr. President. Uh, uh, era, neither do I. That's my best Kennedy. Deal with it. <laughs> but now we have like presidents openly tweeting 
to other dictators or presidents or countries or consulates or governments. And like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> I know, I know all of this is said back, you know, like when the president's meeting with so-and-so from the Russian blah, 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 and they're behind doors for three hours. They're going like, fuck you, Mr. President. We were, and they're like, blah, 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 and they're going back. And then they come out and shake hands and they're all smiley and shit. But now we see it on Twitter. It's, I don't know, it's, it's funny and scary at the same time. It's like a roller coaster. It's like, whoa! We're just not used to uh, the, the uh, one of the most powerful people in, at least, um, in the presentation of what our government is to us by the real controllers. is He's a pretty powerful dude, and he's on Twitter going, you know what? It's 3 a.m. Yeah. Fuck CNN. <laughs> ah, you can't write. Th- Actually, you can write this. It's called Idiocracy. It came out a while ago. Sometimes you just have to say chuck it in the fuck it bucket and move on. The meme. The Facebook meme. has become a phenom Twitter as well as well as video it's like all you have to do is scroll down you don't even have to click start it starts if you you scroll past it it stops and right now I'm watching a blowfish I'm sorry pufferfish create a male create an amazing nest to lure a female and would I have sought this out I mean, but I've went, you know, I've been hearing a lot about the puffer fish. And, uh, you know, maybe I should Google puffer fish nests. Okay, that's, uh, it's never gonna fucking happen. Not. I mean, I don't even have dreams that stupid. But here I am looking at Mr. Pufferfish, and he's rocking it. And then they take a picture from the, the little camera above, and it looks like a fucking Fibonacci spiral of art, all kinds of cool-looking stuff in there, and it's a little Pufferfish. He gets above it, he looks down, he's like, it's like, he's like, he's he's trying to come up with, I wonder if they have a, because uh, he's, what he's really trying to do here is, Hang on a second. Hang on. We got like some cheesy. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Like in the 1960s, where all the furniture was made of aluminum <laughs> and rayon and fabulous fibers from Dupont. That's right, kids. Carol Merrill is out there behind curtain number three. Well, here I am looking at a puffer fish that's trying to essentially put up a 1960s, what would you call him, bachelor pad? Like Like his little sex den? And as the camera scans back, and it is right now, literally as I'm describing this, you see this thing that looks like this amazing piece of art on the bottom of the ocean floor, simply made of sand and seashells. 
And it's all about, ladies and gentlemen, what's it about? It's about getting laid, motherfucker. That's what it's about. (sighs) That's right, kids. If you drink Charles Atlas protein, you'll no longer be a 90-pound weakling on the beach. Just do these push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups, and you'll be rock hard. That's like Little Pufferfish, man. See, that's the music I would use. I know this is like... This, he's like, you know, like, he's... he's he, he makes this amazing thing. It's, it's so gorgeous. It's beautiful. I mean, you know, like, right when he's finished? And the thing is, it only lasts a couple hours because the tide kind of takes it away. It's, I know, it sucks. And he's looking down. He's like, fuck yeah, man. Look at that. I'm going to get laid. I am going to get motherfucking laid. That is beautiful. I'm an artist. Seriously. And you know, there's a, let me see if well, if there's Puffy. Uh, I don't want to go that far. Okay, timeline scrolling, scrolling. I don't want to bring the music in until I'm ready. <clears throat> oh, there's always a. Um, I, I'll have to admit it. Uh, let me see if I get the right music. Let's see what we got going on. Actually, yeah, yeah. Let's go there. I don't know. I love this song. Remember this from uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? It's called Red River Rock. I wish. A lot of instrumentals in the 60s. A lot of cool stuff. Well, what I like to do on my timeline on Facebook is I'm not maybe totally passionate about vaccinations, but I know it is. Uh, I don't want to call it a wedge issue. It's an important discussion issue. It absolutely needs to be in the full spotlight. All kinds of medical studies, independent studies. Let's look. Let's look at what other countries are saying. Uh, Rather than automatically defending it because no one gets mumps anymore or hardly any people have ever gotten the measles. I get there is a percentage of vaccination success. And I'm not going to argue that. But what I like to do, and I like to do, I like to stir the hornet's nest. Yep. And the reason I like to do that is it's not only just a great way to know people you know. These are friends or, or in, in my case, you know, I have probably more uh, um, followers on Facebook than the average person, but I don't have a ton. I, I've never sought them out or tried to market myself that way. But what I do know is I get a pretty good cross-section of people. Most of them are open-minded, a little bit more of a rabbit hole, red pill kind of thinker, and they are passionate about so many different topics. I love to just put it there and click enter and watch what happens. Sometimes I'll go back and say like, well, hey, you know, do you realize this? Do you realize that? And I'll make one point about that in a second, but I love the idea that I am watching what is essentially almost the same thing that would have happened around early campfires where any tribe, any group of people discussed their own safety, the betterment of their lives, well, what what should um, be allowed, what shouldn't be allowed, 
uh, what is decent behavior, what is true freedom, that kind of stuff. And Facebook is that, it's not, you know, legal debate. It's not, you know, I get my two minutes, you get your two minutes. But what it really is, is a great way, it's a pulse. It's a great way to check the pulse of not just a nation, but all the way down to people you know. And I love the idea of asking questions about vaccinations. Why? Because I have a fucking granddaughter who's eight weeks old. That's why. And I've been talking about it for a while. So when I put it on my Facebook, you know what? After I'm dead, later on, we'll find out. We'll find out who was wrong and who was right. And we'll find out if Sean Raz is right about chemtrails. And we'll find out if autism is and has at least a, maybe not monumental, but direct link to a certain percentage of autism cases. What the fuck is wrong with asking a goddamn question about what you stick inside your child? Could someone please explain that to me? Could someone... I'm serious. Older, safe, and I'm like, you know what? Go have a kid or two. It's like rolling the dice. 60, what is it? Every 67th child now in our country? That's not exactly the kind of odds you want to think about when you're walking into the doctor's office and reading that, oh yeah, yeah, it's up, uh, oh yeah, 800% since the early 80s. Ask the questions, post your evidence. Let the discussion rage, motherfucker. Please. Please. And I will continue to do that, you know? I I, I will. Uh, it was uh, Popeye. You know, the funny thing is I love what Popeye's done and listened to him for quite a few years now, and I'm sure he's caught my show at least, but we've never done a show together and never had him as a guest or vice versa. But, uh, you know, he went through uh, some tough times, lost his woman. And but uh, you know he's one of the old schoolers, man. And um, maybe someday we never meet. Maybe someday we never talk. You know, maybe we're just not meant to bump into each other. But because of Facebook, I can see what this motherfucker's up to, and see that you know <clears throat> you can tell people that have that clarity. They're all you know they only really want to talk cause and effect. They don't really get into the blame game at the superficial level of what we would call politics. They get all the way down to, oh, yeah, well, this is caused by the Fed, and this is caused by this and that. And, you know, those are the deep rabbit hole divers. Those are the ones that wouldn't compromise and go all the way back and try to live a life of lies based on trying to talk yourself into everything's fine, everything's okay. And Popeye's one of those guys. I don't know. One of these days, you know, maybe I'll sit around and get high with him someday. That would be pretty cool. So he links to my Facebook page uh, quite often. You know, a lot about his show and different things. Thoughts, things. But um, I didn't realize that Joyce Riley had passed away. And, again, I never was on Joyce's show. A little bit more of the the power hours. A little little bit more on that Christian slant and things like that. And You know me. I'm, I'm a rocker. I have a tendency to just fucking want to talk the way I fucking want to talk and not have to edit myself all the time. Terrestrial radio broadcaster and a Catholic. 
Ledge, why do you swear? Because I, I, for so many years, I couldn't. Now I can. It's like, oh my God, I feel so good. Uh, so I was never on Joyce's show. But I did follow her and, and Dave on Kleist. Uh, but the reason I bring her up is I met her. Way back in, I think it was 2005. I think I posted it underneath the... Um, yeah, I don't feel like searching for it. I don't want to open more pages. Basically, Jimmy Walter of Walter Homes spent about $4 million of his own money, found guys like... We're talking early 9-11 truthers. Early 9-11 truthers, okay? Uh, off the top of my head, uh, Eric Huffschmidt, uh, Jimmy Walter, of course. Um, oh, God. Phil... <laughs> I hate that. I hate getting old. I hate that. Hang on. All right. I'm going to click on the link because I know I posted. And there it is right there. That didn't take too long. As he says, he's, he's waiting for the Facebook page. Uh, Jimmy Walter presents uh, Morgan Reynolds. Uh, a lot of people think Morgan Reynolds was a plant, but uh, he, he said a lot of very unpopular things. Uh, that I would say lean towards 9-11 truth. Davon Kleiss, of course, did 9-11 in plain truth. William Rodriguez, one of the true heroes of that day. Joyce Riley. Er- oh, David Ray Griffin. Uh, David Ray Griffin in video. And, of course, most of or part of Eric Huffschmidt's uh, 9-11. There again, uh, Painful Questions, I think it was called. So this is a very early 9-11 truth, and this is in 2005. And I actually met Joyce. It was at the Tampa Theater. Rob Revere was there with me. And I actually, it was the same night I met Rob Revere. And we went to this 9-11 truth event. And there was, oh, the Tampa Theater probably holds, uh, I don't know, maybe 1,200 people, maybe around that. And there was maybe 150, maybe 150 people in there. But it was like one of those moments in my life that I'll always remember because I was actually standing in front of a presentation from a lot of people who had done some research into the actual event of 9-11. And, and by the way, Joyce Riley's presentation was about Fallujah and the use of white, white phosphorus, um, which I knew nothing about at the time. So having met, you know... Eric Huffschmidt and 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 William Rodriguez and and Joyce Riley. I think I talked to her. You know, like one of those receiving lines at a wedding, where you're just kind of moving along, saying hi to people. Um, but I just found her to be a very kind soul, and she has passed away. And it takes me way, way, way back on Facebook. That's really what we're talking about here on Facebook. Is that there are. There are ways of finding, you know, birthdays. I used the example a little bit earlier of you know, people that have birthdays. Um, I can't remember all those birthdays, but you know what? It is nice to be able to type in, happy birthday, man. Have a great day. Boom. And later on, you you know, you see that, thank, thank everyone for uh, all the birthday wishes. I couldn't uh, ask for, you know. And you just realize it took you eight seconds to type that and click send, but you help brighten somebody else and you haven't physically been in their presence you haven't given them money you just simply paid attention to them for a little while for a couple of seconds and it helped make their day um i know there are stalkers i know there are trolls 
I know Facebook has its downside, is what I'm saying, and you know, I kind of like it. <laughs> Sorry, but I do. Come on, man. You can't have you can't have everything you want and and none of the crap that comes with it. Uh, Twitter trolls have a tendency to be more aggressive. They're like quick-striking Barracuda. Whereas on Facebook, it's more of a slow progression of a big shark eating you or you eating them. I just think it's one of those, you go back three days later and they're waiting for you to post. (laughs) I fucking love it. It's so cool. And, you know, two of my good friends, Richard X and Stefan, go at it all the time. And if I find a thread they're going at it, I treat it like a like a five-minute movie. I go get some popcorn and go, oh, I got to watch this thread. Let me see what they do. What are they talking about? Okay. All right. You called my name. Okay. Maybe we just... Fucking <laughs> uh, uh, A. Love it. I don't want to do too much too much politics but yeah you know when it when it shows up on my timeline that the corporate democrats which is an oxymoron from when i was a little kid anyway uh blocked the california health care measure uh for single payer in other words <laughs> the party that was supposed to be about people and health care and i blocked it so it, yes follow the money always follow the money did I already mention this? I think I did. Seymour Hirsch. Oh, no. No, I was mentioning the first time. No, I already mentioned it. That's right. I did. Uh, basically, we lied about Syrian chemical weapons, and we bombed them. So we lied, and we bombed them. And by the way, do you realize every time we bomb a country... I love this cartoon, man. I love Saturday morning cartoons. You realize every time we bomb a country in that kind of... Um, parameter or framework it's a fucking it's, a, it's an act of war it's a criminal act of war it's an unconstitutional act of war and no one fucking cares anymore and it used to at least be the democrats okay you know show me a republican who doesn't like a good cruise missile you know they're kind of rare well now it's both parties man oh yeah yeah, Assad, natural uh, chemical weapons. Yep, we're going to bomb them. Do you realize my stock just went up two points? Woohoo! Love being a corporate fucking shill. Okay, hang on. We're going to switch. Switch music here. God, I love the Pink Panther. And the first, what, two or three Pink Panther movies? Peter Sellers, just an unbelievable artist. You know, if you've ever seen Strange Love, you know what I mean. But yeah, there we go. Perfect timing. Thank you. And now we're going to go to, you know, like when you watch a video that is presented by a company, they have to realize, okay, well, what kind of background music? Are we gonna get? You know, we got some great photography here and we might have some narration. In this case, there is no narration. I will read what is being printed on the screen. But when you hear the music, let me see. I'm going to play the music. See heavy bass drops right there? Boom. All right, what 
Are you thinking, what are you thinking? What do you think the product is? I'll give you a couple seconds to guess. Do you guys know what that sound is? All right, time's up. What do you think? How many of you said vertical farming? <laughs> I know. <laughs> See, what if I was what they wanted, they want excuse me. They wanted upbeat. You know, they're selling this concept to, you know, at a this kind of thing is shown at stockholder uh, meetings where people can buy into the company and all that kind of stuff. So they don't want it dreary. They don't want it boring. But then they come in with like, honestly, this is like 1983 Soul Train to me. You know? Did they get the line going? You know? Oh, yeah. Okay, so anyway, uh, the future of farming is here. Arrow Farms has built a large-scale farm in the middle of a big city. Uh, it's just outside of uh, New York City. I think it's in Newark. Picture a, uh, a big, giant warehouse that can go up about 40 feet. And just picture, picture racks. I know this is a podcast, so I have to tell you what I'm looking at here. Picture racks, almost like you'd see at a Home Depot, if you will, where there's a shelf and another shelf and another shelf and another shelf all the way. Well, each shelf has its own LED lighting and a wet solution that plants are growing in. And then next shelf down, so it's called vertical farming, obviously, for a reason, because these racks go vertical. And they can grow as much as, I think, in this scale model, I think they have one acre of actual square footage. And let me see if I can find out what they're growing here. That's right. Wait a minute, those, uh, here we go, 130 acres. One acre of vertical indoor growing, and it will be more solar-powered to bring the cost down. That That is an argument with these companies. And a couple have failed. By the way, these vertical indoor farms. And that's just bad business. It's not because you're not doing what is going to be a boom in our country. And I want that's why I want to talk about vertical farming quite a bit here. Is It's not just going to be yet another agriculture uh, form and, of course, a moneymaker. But it's going to get, it's literally going to you know, cut out a little bit of the delivery time from the lettuce being cut to at your table. It might be grown five streets from your house. And that is everything from, yeah, more nutrients, better taste, and yeah, less, you know, having it trucked from California kind of stuff. So as we can do this indoors in the winter, in a city like Chicago, or in a city like Newark, and grow vertical lettuce and, and greens, and do it, and make a profit. I don't know the business model of this, the profit, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy, but I do know that... This makes so much fucking sense. The only way you would fail is if you don't know your expenditures from your, you know, your your assets and everything else and so on and so forth. But as far as growing 
130 acres of crops, the equivalent of a 130-acre farm on one acre, and use 95% less water. I mean, this is right for so many reasons. The LED lights can be tuned to the blue spectrum and the red spectrum, which make lettuce do far... Basically, you can you can grow more with less energy. So it's 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 not only about making sure you can um, get it, you know not expend too much of your profit or too much of your money on that many lights in a building that big. It's more about make sure you get the, your dollar worth out of those LEDs in those specific red and, and blue spectrums because the photosynthesis of the plant really reacts favorably to that, and not so much yellow light, which creates heat. So now you are now scientifically not just growing shit indoors and vertically, but you're finding a way to do it economically, and, and eventually as the cost of solar comes down, these installations, these buildings are going to be everywhere. And that's not just being able to grow lettuce indoors in Alaska. That is also the opposite. It's also being about controlling an atmosphere in, let's say, Florida or Guatemala that's hot and humid and being able to grow dry weather plants like a potato because you can control the indoor environment, the humidity, the temperature, the amount of breeze blowing so you don't get bacteria. There's no bugs. There's no pesticides used here. There's no insecticides used here. Nothing. Just nutrients in the water. And tell me this doesn't have, this This is going to be big. And I don't just mean business-wise. If our population is going to grow by another 2 billion, we have to come up with ways to grow food consistently and healthy food. And food that's right up the street from you. And yeah, fucking jobs. When you can grow a plant and sell it, you're growing, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Yes, it does. Of course it does. Money grows on a cannabis plant. Money grows on an orange tree. So there's a business side to what I'm talking about when I talk about this specific storyline of vertical farms. And aeroponics, make sure you Google that. Aquaponics, Google that. It's not just hydro, hydroponics. Aquaponics uses fish. And their waste is fertilizer. Perfect nitrogen loop. Seriously. The plants help clean the water for the fish. The fish help fertilize the plants. You get proteins and greens grown indoors in the winter. Seriously? Are you kidding me? And what I like about this is you can start as a small business. You don't have to buy 200 fucking acres of land to start your farm. You can buy an old factory in Detroit. Fucking A. And when you walk in and buy that way in this video, let's get some of this video pumping here. Oh, yeah. You know, these people walking around in little white suits and, you know, there's a controlled climate in there. People are wearing face masks. I like the, the kind you would see at uh, the hairnets, that kind of stuff. Rubber gloves when they're uh, seeding what they're doing. It is a controlled environment. There's not an insect in there. They don't have to worry about grubs and earthworms and nothing against the insects that help, that are so vital in the process. But indoor growing 
This is like a little 80s, yeah, isn't it? Like Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan. Okay. Yeah, me too. Vertical growing. Make sure you look into it. Um, who knows? When I pass away and, and someone owns the rights to my Facebook page, I knew Ledge. I knew him in his 98 Ruck days. I deserve the rights to his face. I don't know what I'm fucking talking like a parrot. I have no fucking idea why I just did that. Seriously. I, I don't. Can't back it up. Who owns the rights to like looking back and go, hey, and like, you know, let's say it's my Facebook page and let's say it's dated 628-2017 and there's a story about vertical farming on it. And 15 years later, let's say, I, I don't know, stroke out, blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's say, but fuck it, 20 years later. And 20 years later, there are vertical farms all over the world, all over the world. I'm going to be able to have on my timeline, it goes, oh, yeah, motherfucker, who was talking about this early? Huh? Who was talking about algae fuels? Yeah, who was talking about uh, power towers and concentrated solar energy? Oh, I don't know, 10 fucking years ago. Now, that's 10 years ago from today. So we're talking 30 years. My timeline is going to be like the ultimate egotistical pat on the back for me. <laughs> oh, that's what you should just have. It's like, I don't know, you could keep the timeline alive. And as the anniversary of each one of these predictions, you know, you get all your anniversary things on, t on Facebook. If the anniversary of me talking about vertical farming comes up, and vertical farming is like 20 years into its uh, its growth now, and it's just massive, and it's just doing wonderful things for communities and cities and towns, and, and, and all of a sudden it's just like, Scott Ledger in June of... 2017 posted a story talking about vertical farming. We celebrate him being right. <laughs> Facebook is the ultimate pat on your back. That's what it is. That's really, that's really fucking what it is, man. All right, we got to, I got to change gears just a little bit here. Because it is my timeline and I, my goal is to be a perfect, no, wrong person. My goal is to try very hard to have a decent balance in my life. Care about things enough to get involved. Speak about them. Like my burgeoning uh, cannabis career. And I'll comment on that briefly. Um, but it's also a place, uh, what I'm trying to do is make sure I, I enjoy my life. I used to play hockey, you know, when I was younger and I was in shape and... You know, softball and flag football and hockey. and You know, I had a lot going on where I had a lot of balance. My, I had to live my life, had to have my career, but I didn't want it to be all 90% of my life is about some type of activism. And you don't want the opposite either. You don't want it to be so into your own life that you don't get involved in at least maybe one topic and become an activist about something you're passionate about. And I mean that on both sides of the aisle. I always encourage my friends to do it, you know, if you're, you're against abortion or something like that, then, you know, go for it and do your thing. Uh, that's, I think that's vitally important to your, to everyone's balance is to uh, not only have an opinion, but at least put a little effort into it. But I'm also just Scott. I'm Scott. I grew up in Summers, Connecticut, small town. Loved it there. Great place to grow up. Had a bicycle, baseball bat, a glove, cap, 
an AM transistor radio, baseball cards, no internet, no video games. Just had to, you know, oh yeah, fishing pole. Fuck yeah. So you make your own fun. So sports was was big in my life. My best friend Craig, who lived next door, and some of the kids in the neighborhood, there was a, a big yard behind us. Where it was big enough to play football or baseball. It was someone had a big nice it was raffles. So I got a chance to play a lot of sports growing up. And I really enjoyed every aspect of sports, you know, losing and realizing, hey, the next game I had a great game and you know your confidence drops a little. You learn how to lose with dignity. You learn how to win with grace. And you make friends and you have great memories and you're there in that moment for your team. Well, when I come upon a video like this one, this is just a former Major League Baseball player who's now a coach in the minor leagues. And, you know, he's got a microphone on him. And let's just say that him and the ump have either already had business before or they're just both just fucking primed. And I'm only going to play half of this because the second half of this is him just chucking baseball bats out on the playing field because he's been ejected from the game. But in your report. Take your report and shove it up your fucking ass. Yeah. You fucking... That's some bullshit. You know the last guy I bought... (laughs) Okay. There's the skinny ump, and there's the big fat ump, and the fat guy, Wally, is trying to make a bead towards the fat umpire, and the skinny umpire, he's... You're just going to hear him constantly with the Wally, 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 okay, and starting from beginning. I want to know what I said. I'm going to ask him what I said. I'm going to ask him what I said. In your report, take your report and shove it up your fucking ass. You fucking, that's some bullshit. You know the last guy I bumped, I'd have knocked you on your fucking ass. Look at your fucking report, you little fucking pimpsqueak. Wally, Wally. Fucking joke. Wally, Wally, let's go. God damn it. Wally, let's go. I want to know what I said. I'll leave the field when he tells me what he threw me out for. We got to go. I don't you gotta, have to go. You gotta go. Yes, sir. You gotta go now. What did I say? Guys. Jesus, you're goddamn it being an embarrassment to professional baseball being like that. Wally, please. It is right. Wally, please, let's go. First let's go. fucking time you've ever fucking umpired in professional baseball? Wally. Oh! Um, I'm not gonna play the whole thing. We're just gonna keep scrolling the timeline, but that's like real life. And I don't mean real life and struggles and war and famine. I'm not talking about that. What I mean it is, is it's a genuine, a fucking genuine moment. It is genuine. And I know it's only about a baseball game. And I know it's kind of goofy and silly to some of people. Some of you listen to this podcast and you don't give a shit about sports. But <clears throat> I remember a half a dozen times when my coach or manager got kicked out of a game, or whatever we were playing, hockey, Christ, I played quite a few sports. Um, And I remember just that feeling from when that that coach got chucked. I was like, yeah, yeah, my coach cares. Just that feeling of it's like a brotherhood. Um, but meanwhile, it's also funny. Am I right? 
No, no. Wally, let's go. Please. Fucking joke. <laughs> He'll go to... Stevie will go to second. Move. So you think it's over? Like the first time I watched Steve's this, you know, like when you watch the timeline on your Facebook, and uh, you got the, you know, it's got to go all the way across the white little thing, and I'm like, there's still a a minute and ten seconds left in this video, you know, you just kind of get, you know, oh, the up and the manager going at it, fuck you, you fucking dickless asshole, fuck you, blah blah blah, you know, they go, all right, you're out of here, and they throw him out. And then he's walking back, and he's, you know, maybe kicks a little dirt on the baseline or something. And then you go to short, move Johnny to second. <laughs> and then this is great. He's just, okay, you think he's going to walk and go right inside the dugout and disappear. He just told his assistant manager or whoever coach, okay, these are the replacements we're making. And all of a sudden, that's a fucking joke. <laughs> He's got a pile of bats. I mean, it's like it's like Forrest Gump, not Forrest Gump. It's like Rain Man counting toothpicks. Pick that shit up, you dumb motherfucker! <laughs> All right, now he's got a, a five-gallon bucket full of baseballs. He just Pick made it rain baseballs. Up, you piece of shit! <laughs> I love Facebook. I Catch fucking him, get love. Get out of the way! Now he's telling the catchers, he's like, I'm not done. I'm going to throw the bat safely out onto the field. I don't want to hit any of the players. So he tells the catcher to get out of the way so he can throw all the bats over by home plate. And he just, now he's just, it's like when you fuck a chip, you know, like you're playing golf, you just fuck up your chip and you just toss your nine iron all the way back to your bag so you find it later because you're pissed. He's doing that one at a time. With, he's like slowly decorating the baseball no, field dog. with bats. And then, of course, like an idiot, I, I, I want to know what I didn't hit the post. Okay, here we go. The best line of all this audio is. Let's go have a beer, Doc. <laughs> Let's go have a beer, Doug. <laughs> and he's huffing and puffing. He's tired. He threw like eighty baseball bats on the field. Now, let's say Wally passes away. That's a piece of his life that, you know what, I'm sure I'll have to apologize, whatever that bullshit is. But you know what, tonight's show isn't necessarily about the legality of who owns all these moments. And obviously we're talking billions and billions of hours of people's moments and still photos and audio recordings and, and all. <clears throat> but um, I, I want to make sure... For me, if you know anything, contact me. I I want to make sure that this timeline that's, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, and hopefully will be, you know, a couple more decades old, is kind of preserved somewhere. Whether that's for my daughter or my granddaughter or my great, great, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, look, this is grandpa back in 2017. Oh, yes, his grandpa. Look at the long curly hair. You know, that, that kind of thing. I want it to be there. I don't want it to just disappear. Because it if you if you're on this page long enough and if you're posting things about your life long enough, it's a pretty fucking good snapshot and I know it's NSA stuff, but it's also 
on just the normal personal side of your life, it is not only a place that's a pretty good representation, fair. It doesn't show you punching the wall when your wife leaves you. (laughs) Guilty. But it it it's a piece of you. And you're not building the monument, but by the time it's done and you're done, it is a monument. It's not like you're doing it on purpose. And then you realize, oh my God, there's eight years of my life on here. Or there's twenty or whatever. And that's really what the show is about. Oh, this is a ser- this is a very serious speech, and I almost just want to let it roll. Uh, you know what? I think I'm gonna do that. Because my beer is almost done. Um, For those of you that are Oliver Stone fans, and I know a lot of you are, and you do realize that this man has his, he has the grip on the realities of war. Because he was not only a Vietnam veteran, but not one, but more than one of his movies have been directly at least sort of connected to talking about the deep state, the war machine, and so on and so forth. 2017 Writers Guild Awards. Uh, This video, only three minutes long, is called The Best Three Minutes in Television History by a Vietnam Veteran. I want to make sure i got some levels on this. And I don't want to stop and start this. This is Oliver Stone. I know I have my rhythm on my show that I like to go with, but this one stands alone. And I will talk to you in about three minutes. Be critical of your government. Not to remind you, especially you younger writers, that you can be critical of your government and your society. You don't have to fit in. It's fashionable now to take shots at Republicans and Trump and all that and avoid the Obamas and Clintons. But remember this. In the 13 wars we've started over the last 30 years, and the 14 trillion dollars we've spent, and the hundreds of thousands of lives that have perished from this earth, remember that it wasn't one leader, but a system, both Republican and Democrat. And call it what you will, the military, industrial, security, money, media, complex, it's a system that has been perpetuated the better that has been perpetuated under the guise that these are just wars justifiable in the name of our flag that flies so proudly over our lives our country has become more prosperous for many but in the name of that wealth we cannot justify our system as a center for the world's values when we continue to create such war and chaos in the world. Thank you. Uh, No need to go through the victims, but we know we've intervened in more than 100 countries with invasions, regime change, economic chaos, or hybrid war, soft power, whatever you want to call it, it's war of some kind. In the end, it has become a system leading to the death of this planet and the extinction of us all. I fought these people who practice war most of my life. It's a tiring game, and mostly you'll get your ass kicked. 
And with all the criticism and the insults that you'll receive, and the flattery too, it's important to remember, if you believe in what you're saying and you can stay the course, you can make a difference. I urge you, I urge you to find a way to remain alone with yourself. Listen to your silences, not always in a writer's room. Try to find not what the crowd wants so that you can be successful, but try instead to find the true inner meaning of your life here on earth and never give up on your heart in your struggle for peace decency, and telling the truth. Thank you. I'm just, you know, I, I, am, I am grateful for every Seymour Hirsch talented, Oliver Stone talented, hell, Woody Harrelson, off the top of your mind, uh, what I mean, well, Seymour Hirsch is an investigative reporter. This man is a, a director. But I kind of want to put them all under the umbrella of media. Whether one is an actor, one is a writer, one is a producer, one is a newspaper person, you're media. And it's always good to know that there are people that, after what? Um, what, four decades this man's career is? Know, 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe five decades? Not only does he now have a little, you know, financial money to bring to the fucking table, so he's got a little clout. He doesn't have to go and beg people to do a project. He just does it. You know, the unknown history of the United States, 10 hours long. 10-hour documentary. I learned more about what I didn't learn in high school by watching that, that series of documentaries that, that, that's, that this man did. Some people like to read a lot of books. I love to binge watch documentaries. And I will go five, six hours in a row if something like what Oliver Stone produced is back to back to back and it's on some website and it's maybe five bucks or maybe it's on YouTube and it's free or whatever. I find it and I watch it and I, I just say, you know, seriously, th thank goodness that there are at least a few people in a position of influence and power that have a goddamn conscience, that care, and don't want our world tunneling in this direction of just this creepy sci-fi movie that just keeps getting worse and worse because the state gets bigger and bigger and more powerful versus billions of people that don't want what's happening. And when Oliver Stone speaks, because he is famous and his movies are famous, people listen. So part of what I like about being on Facebook is I, I wouldn't have watched this piece. Uh, I, I don't know what the Peace Report page is. I don't think I... Let me see if I follow them. No, I don't. Oh, no, I, I apparently I liked them. I found them. Well, they post a video. The video is at the three-minute speech at the Writers Guild Awards, and Oliver Stone's receiving something, and he realizes he's got three to five minutes to make a statement and maybe have it go somewhere. In the old days, you would have to watch that video live on television when it happened, or at least read about it in the newspaper the next day. 
Now, this video goes viral days after, weeks after. This thing will come back around because you know what? He's right. It, this thing could be 20 years old on my Facebook page, and people are going to go, look at fucking Oliver Stone nailed it. It's exactly what he was talking about. It absolutely happened, blah, blah, blah. Facebook is like Nostradamus for billions of people. We all talk about what we'd like. We all talk alike oh, what we would like to see. We all share our opinions. But we all like to be right or correct. Right is a little bit more of an egocentric word. Correct is a little bit more of a soul word. They do intertwine, but what's wrong with saying mankind's direction towards this war catastrophe that just keeps getting worse and worse for more and more people is not the the best we can do. It's not even close to the best what we can do. And then you see like one of those scientific uh, sci-fi movies of a futuristic city and there's just, you know, flying vehicles and people are healthy and people are taking care of each other and... You know, basically not necessarily a utopia, but we can do a fucking lot better than we're doing right now. That kind of thing. Well, that little video I just played 15 years from now is going to be like some prophecy to a 20 year old kid who sees it for the first time on a Facebook page. So I love posting. Pulp Fiction reference. Got that one there. I don't want to talk too much about cannabis, but this is a good story. Quick, uh, see, the thing is, now that I officially represent a uh, a marketing firm and I'm I'm working for a client, I really can't I can't say, hey, guess what? We taped this or I recorded that because I signed a non disclosure agreement, and I'll, I'll let you know it's a kick in the ass to absolutely allow my skill set and my passion uh, to represent. Cannabis and cannabis medicines and cannabis culture and the science and, and and everything that's happening as, yes, we know governments and syndicates want a piece of the action. And that's why it's finally happening in not just a state, but yes, in Canada and Canada, that was cool in Canada. It's legal. And yes, now in Mexico, it's legal. So. Are we very close to seeing cannabis removed from Schedule 1? You remove it from Schedule 1, it takes down all the stupid federal blocks and barriers. It now becomes something scientists can grow and test and look into the science of, because right now it's Schedule 1 means that it has no scientific or medicinal value. We know that's bullshit. Are we close with our neighbors to the north and south both now going, you know what they're saying is they want a piece of the legal pie now. That's what, you know, when governments agree to do that, it's about money. They didn't fucking suddenly grow a conscience. But what the good side is, is we get to schedule two. Look out. Watch the science of cannabis explode. And I mean that at just... I think we're going to see derivatives of the plant. I don't mean GMO kind of stuff. And yes, Monsanto and Bayer, come on, these are conglomerates. They're huge. They want a piece of that that pie too. But I, I think the beauty of this plant is as long as you save seeds, share seeds, 
and and truly treat it in the subculture that has kept it alive for so many decades, don't worry about those fucking GMO cannabis plants. They don't have to ever come into your life. But what we're seeing here now is if we do go Schedule 2, and, you know, Christ, um, we're going to see billions of dollars of investment money. Now, I'm not a big Wall Street guy. <laughs> I'm not a Wall Street guy. But if we're going to have a legal substance, then you know what? Let the money flow. The more the merrier, the more jobs, the more investments, the more returns. By the way, if you don't have a cannabis stock, you should get one. They're penny stocks right now. I'm about to purchase my first couple. And it's not I'm not some rich guy, believe me, but you know what? You buy a penny stock now and ten years from now or fifteen years from now when, when grandpa ledge passes away, that my daughter or granddaughter might own a stock worth seventy, eighty, ninety, whatever whatever the currency is of something that helped change the world for the better. That's that's about all the investment I ever want to do. So if we go Schedule 2, not only do we see the science explode, not only do we see the freedoms, we're, we're now going to see big shots with big wallets invest. And may the, you know, I don't want it coming down to four companies like we do with media or five or six or oil companies or banks. I don't think that'll happen because each state is setting their own rules, their own growers, their own dispensaries. It's going to be very, very hard to gobble all these up. You will see the bigger boys come in and gobble up some successful state-by-state growers simply by doubling the stock price and buying some guy out. You're going to see that. You're going to see the same thing you see in any other industry. You will see... Some big companies going up to what we'll call a large grower in a, in a particular state and going, oh, you're worth $40 a share? Here's 80 Boom. Now, what they do with that, with that customer base and what they try to introduce into that customer base is where we get that slippery slope of possible GMO weed. I'm not worried about this stuff yet. It's a little down the road. Because those fuckers don't want to mess with it until, you know, basically, it's it's like the big boys. It's like the NFL. It's like NASCAR. It's the big boys. They're the big boys. So I, I'm not too worried about that. And by the way, yes, since it's a plant, whatever strain you own, whatever seed you plant, it can't be patented. But the effects of THC has been patented by the United States government way back in the 70s. Late 70s. So, with Mexico going to, it's legal. Canada has already said that. I I don't like to predict things, but I think we might come close in the next, uh, I think that would, they would probably save that for the next election cycle, um, which would be, what, half a year? I'm sorry, a year from now, right? Yeah, 2018. And use it politically, you know, either nationwide or statewide or or, or whatever. But uh, I got, I don't know. Just I, I have this feeling that cannabis is cannabis schedule two. Cannabis is coming soon. And remember, here it is for my ego on my Facebook page, posted uh, twenty three hours ago. And you know what? Twenty years from now, they're going to go. Man, Ledge had his finger on the pulse. 
three weeks after he passed away. That kind of stuff. And I think that's why I love um, Facebook so much. It's my uh, my ode to Facebook. Wait a minute. Yeah, we do. Hang on. Here we go. Uh, see, this is the bachelor pad stuff. I was trying to find it earlier with the blowfish guy. Here it is here. Hey there, doll. Care to take a dip in the pool? <laughs> uh, everybody's wearing poly- polyester. There's aluminum everywhere. And there are a lot of tans and golds and browns. My house almost looked like it was... I don't know, what would you call that? Um... It, it looked like someone left the windows open and bust a, a bunch of dust blew in because the carpet was orange. Orange! Orange, Mom! Seriously? Fucking orange? The 60s were so cool. Brown couch, of course. This is the stuff. This is the stuff, you know? That was on the radio. A little... Bachelor pad. Every new Friday night at night. On the Playboy channel. No, they didn't even exist then. Yeah. There it is. Sexy sax. Sexy sax. <laughs> Alright, my first part of the show, I wanted to salute Facebook. The second part, I want to... Um, I've been talking about this group of people I keep adding to my YouTube pages. I don't get as much chance to watch as many videos. Depends on your schedule. But what I'm finding is some articulate, intelligent people. A, a few of these people might lean a little right. A few of these people might lean a little left or pro- progressive or whatever. And that's I think this is what a lot about these YouTube uh, channels is about. Is the battle going on for probably a third party. Uh, because the, Democrat, the corporate Democratic Party is technically no different. Maybe on a few social issues, abortion, things like that. But essentially, they're the exact same as as any type of corporate um, conservative or Republican. They're they they are the same thing. They're they're hardly different. They used to be pretty pretty vastly different. Not so much. Well, there are these things called progressives, and these progressives are the ones who. As the word suggests, let's think about progress on this category. Let's think about single payer. It, it doesn't matter what what the topic is. It matters that they're not in line with corporate governments, corporate banks, corporate uh, structure, and they don't want to align themselves with. But it seems every two or four years they get sucked into the Democratic Party because where else do they fucking go? And the Democratic Party with Washington Schultz and the lawsuit and Bernie getting fucked over and, and WikiLeaks. So many of these young new bloggers, vloggers, video people are kind of like hungry sharks. They're seeing the opportunity here to truly call out the Democrats, even though they might lean more that way compared to a conservative. In other words, They want to fix things, and the only way to fix things is to fucking face what's fucking wrong. It's the only way you can fix it. 
Hey, hey my, my engine won't run. Well, it's your air filter. Well, I was thinking it was my tires. No, it's your air filter. And I'm going to use that example as I, as I queue up my new hero. Uh, I'm only going to do one video this show. And I, what I love about Sticks Hex and Hammer 666 isn't just his cool handle. Uh, the dude's got a fucking intellect through the roof. He's fun. He's entertaining. Everything is... He might have some notes in front of him in his camera, but um, this dude gets it, and he talks big picture. I like I like to talk big picture. In other words, you'll hear him as we, we will stop and start this video. He'll talk about a specific party and what they're doing, but then he'll also talk about what the media is up to and so on and everything else. So, as we... Get that up. Turned up. Ready to go. Let's rock it. All right, everyone, now it's time for the Trump-Russia story just fell apart number two, uh, this time from Project Veritas. You'll know James O'Keefe. Uh, he swung and missed twice during the election with some of his revelations. They weren't really as scandalous as people were expecting, but he did score a major win against some of the DNCs, like offshoot operatives and some of these groups, uh, openly suggesting potential violent acts as well as potentially illegal voter fraud. Uh, whether or not that was carried out with is a different story, but they did uh, indeed suggest that it would be a good idea, or leading to the resignation of one of these individuals and the firing of another. So you can say the story was probably at least partly true. Now, I happen to think James O'Keefe is one of those people who wraps himself up too much in sensationalism and so cheapens his own brand. He should just stick to straight investigative journalism without sort of the, you know, the theme music and the long intros and flashy uh, infographics and stuff like that. Straight reporting when you're doing that sort of thing as part of a general campaign is going to pay off more. That would be my advice to him anyway. See what I mean? Um, I'm going to call you Sticks. What I, what I like about this guy is he's not afraid to poke any bear, any side of a fence, but he does it constructively. He will make fun of people a little bit, and he does go after mainstream media, which I love, because not only do I also know what he's talking about, I actually experienced that part of my life of watching certain people being given air shifts at a talk station when I knew I had just as many chops as them, but the managers of my station knew my political slants uh, and stance and some of my outside-the-box thinking. So as I watched some people get a gig and other people didn't, I started to realize, shit, um, it, it's true about what they say. If you tell the line, you will succeed in that business. If you don't, they'll find a way to quietly just it's not like they'll just literally yank you off the air. They just won't give you the opportunity to grow a show like they did to Glenn Beck. Same building, same time. We're both in the same building. So that's what I like about Sticks. He he has a grip on the past history of media and the current one and what's going on. Uh this time we have the strange tale of a CNN producer saying, "Oh yeah, the Trump Russia stuff's mostly bullshit. It's for ratings." Well, there you go, CNN openly admitting this, uh, which makes sense since didn't they just fire several people and have to retract a story on Trump and Russia? The thing is, these corporate firms would have already 
positive evidence that there was collusion anyway because of so many leakers in the White House, supposedly. So many leakers and whistleblowers within government agencies who really don't even like Trump. A lot of them are Obama era and they simply haven't been replaced because Trump has other things I guess he thinks more important. He should at some point take care of that probably. The government right now is strangulated. Uh, you can't exonerate Trump or anybody else within government from saying that. It is indeed strangulated. It has a, a sort of large-scale dysfunction going on. And so if Trump actually is doing something untoward, you would think that the corporate media probably would hear about it pretty quickly. It'd be submitted to WikiLeaks. It would be submitted to CNN. Somebody would send a, a, a yellow envelope to MSNBC uh, for Rachel Maddow or something like that, and pretty soon... Uh, you'd see them headhunting after Trump. If the Trump-Russia story is true, why is CNN canning people? Why is one of their producers on tape now saying, yeah, it's, it's essentially it's clickbait, it's fake news, it's for ratings, It's uh, we're competing with MSNBC and they won't let the issue go. Maddow comes out some time ago, oh, we've got Trump tax returns and uh, pretends that it's a big deal and then apparently live on air while she's looking at them sort of gets a sour face it's oh yeah it's you know it's okay it's just a little aside or something uh, what planet are you living on i don't know i think trump is trolling some of these people i wouldn't be surprised if some of the trump russia stuff is leaked to the press or whatever by trump's uh, campaign itself just to have a laugh keep him distracted and because of the structure of modern corporate media, they can't actually ignore it. And, and uh, one of the firms is going to report on it, so they all have to in order to compete on that story. Otherwise, that's re really, honestly, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> excuse me, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, is I really think that there is a method to the madness of the President of the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. And everybody's... He's like, he's like staring at his phone on Twitter. <laughs> I mean... I, I don't know. I want to know. I want to know. Is this man a genius? Is this man truly going to you know, kind of bust the matrix wide open while he's in it? And is he playing the so-called sharp people for fools? Or is he just Donald fucking Trump? I don't know yet. People keep asking, what do you think about Trump? What do you think about Trump? What do you think about... I'm like, you know what? Honestly, I don't know. It's, a, it's not a big enough work of... Uh, of uh, Art. Is that what the, that's not the expression. Anyway, there's not a big enough uh, body of work. There it is. There's not a big enough body of work for me to actually have a, a real judgment on Donald Trump because I don't lean left, so I don't get all, f you know, feathery and light and pissed off about everything, and I don't lean right. So I don't know yet. But when, as, again, kind of bringing it full circle to the... the, the uh, the podcast is Facebook and Twitter are where political discussions, arguments, timelines, opinions, retractions. How many retractions do you see on Facebook? 
How many people delete a link when they know they find out they are wrong? They'd rather argue with you in 20 more minutes on your timeline than go, yeah, you're right. I made a mistake. (laughs) The president of the United States doesn't want to do that either. That's so fuck. I mean, think of it. The Secret Service. Uh, you know how many how, how many different agencies or cloaks and darkness and secrecy and secret handshakes and knocks on the door. I mean, this is the fucking government of the United States, and w- one of the guys in charge is on Twitter all the time. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking cool. Oh, in talk radio, they call this when the content comes to you. You don't have to go and go, Jesus, there is nothing to talk about. Well, I guess we could talk about the Dakota pipeline. What? what, what? Trump tweeted. Holy shit. What was it? I can't wait. Show me again. Oh, this is awesome. I just think there's something unique about this. I don't know if it's just tomfoolery or if Trump is a genius or he's just an egomaniac, you know, megalomaniac kind of a guy. I don't know. Because it, it reeks of a little bit of all of those things, depending on the tweet and the time and when the president or everybody, you don't, you don't see too many, you know, you know, I see Ron Paul on Facebook. I see Bernie Sanders on uh, Twitter, I think. I see, um, who else? I follow like a small handful of politicians, so they tweet. I'm not saying Trump shouldn't tweet. I'm just saying, this dude is just like walking up to a hornet's nest with a baseball bat going, wham, wham. See how many people we can piss off with this one. All right, uh, uh, Sticks, take it over, bro. As they feel left behind, it's definitely lucrative. There are so many people who gobbled down the DNC line of Russia's trying to elect Donald Trump that it's automatic front page news on every single outlet. Uh, The right wing uh, outlets that like Trump, they'll say, oh, new scandalous story that's provably untrue. If it's like MSNBC or Vox or something, they put it on the front page and say, oh, new scandalous story that is objectively true. Trump is going to be impeached now. Ha ha. And he's still there. (laughs) And he's going to keep being there. Uh, Veritas has the problem of an, uh, an image problem more than it has any other problem. And so there are people who think James O'Keefe is an automatic far-right-wing nut, and therefore, no matter how accurate the portrayal is, no matter how adequate the video proof actually would be, they would just ignore it because they happen to be partisans and on the left. It'd be sort of like back during the Bush administration when WikiLeaks was dumping stuff related to our so-called war effort, showing, yeah, the Bush admins inept and corrupt. A lot of people on the right just said, oh, well, that fucking, you know, pinko commie, Julian Assange, nobody would trust him. Obama. I get this all the time. Uh, from, <clears throat> from my friends that lean left or, or whatever, uh, during, let's say, from 2000 to uh, basically during Bush uh, up till Obama. And Bush is in office and, you know, like the Bradley Manning information or uh, uh, Chelsea Manning video of, of the helicopter massacre comes out and, and all these things. And the people, obviously this is embarrassing Bush and the war machine and the neocons. 
So what do the people on the right say? What was it they just said there, um, Sticks? A lot of people on the right just said, oh, well, that fucking, you know, Pinko Kami, Julian Assange, nobody would trust him. Okay. Well, fast forward now. Now we got to... Wait a minute. During Obama, Julian Assange starts dumping a ton of information. <clears throat> During Hillary Clinton's run for president, he dumps a shit lore, more information. So Assange basically is showing that, yes, I, I'm sure he basically wants to, I don't know, you know, just douche the whole thing or burn it to the ground and, and start over and do it right. But he's not partisan. He's not. And people that think he was is everything about, no, it's not about him being partisan, it's about you being partisan. Because back then, the Manning videos and information pissed off the right. Well, now that we got the same thing going, well. Obama gets elected, all of a sudden things are being leaked about his administration, and then people say Assange is far right and working for Russia. And I guess he's still... Uh, far right and working for Russia simply because Trump appears to run a tighter ship. I think it's the illusion of leaks from within the administration in half of these cases. I think it's an illusion. I think it's Trump trolling people and people uh, fixating on that because it happens to be good clickbaity news titles for their online sites. And in reality, he laughs his ass off the entire time. It's almost the illusion of chaos within his inner circle. And the real chaos is at D.C. at large because he's thrown it into chaos and he's having a good time. I don't think that he's despondent at all when they say Trump has nervous breakdowns and starts uh, yelling at people. I don't know that I uh, actually consider that true. I think that that's poorly sourced. Some anonymous source claiming to be from the White House. Okay, well, you know, I don't know who it is. I don't know if they've ever been in the White House. Is it the janitor making up? Is it, is it the local gossip making up stories or something? So CNN now saying, oh, yeah, we're doing this for ratings because people want to hear about the Trump-Russia uh, scandal that I guess doesn't exist at all. If there's any conversation between Trump and Russia, like they're saying, oh, well, so many of his staff were in communication with this Russian firm that skirts sanctions, and they had to retract that story because it's actually a totally different firm that doesn't skirt sanctions. The conversations provably had nothing to do with the Trump campaign, they actually fired people over this. CNN's got problems right now. It's great fun because Fox has constant problems right now with its ratings, with whatever Sean Hannity decides to say because he doesn't feel challenged by them anymore, or Tucker Carlson, they've lost Bill O'Reilly, Megyn Kelly's gone. CNN has constant problems because of crap like this. MSNBC is now number one on cable news. You know, weren't they in, like, fifth place a few years ago? I love the watchers who watch the so-called watchers. <clears throat> the Fourth Estate, at one time, and various times throughout history, a brand new newspaper in England brings Galileo's ideas to the public. Rut-row. Catholic Church doesn't like it. There's always a new messenger. And there's always a new message. And not necessarily a new message as in singular, but messages. And as we go through this, people find a way to corrupt that messenger. Buy them, cheat them, um, own them, blackmail them, 
for when it comes to what's the truth. And they would rather butcher the messenger. So what I like is these kind of guys like Sticks. They're watching the news stories. I Who has time to watch CNN all day or MSNBC? And I think he even confesses what he watches here in a second. But It's the whole idea of people being able to call out the conglomerates, the corporations, and these individual, so-called individual, networks that, you know, lean one way or another. I think he even mentions that. Um, or no, I was thinking of uh, someone else, but... When you get all the way, when it comes all the way back around and you have that next gen, and I'm going to hopefully mention a lot of these guys as soon as this video is over. Uh, if you're not following them, please do. Please share them. Uh, watch them. I think uh, the, they are, not just they, as in, like, if I only mention 12 or 20. What I mean is the next gen of new media, I feel, I really feel, has finally arrived. 2004, 2008, 2007, 2009, documentaries are coming out, people's minds are being opened up, but there's not a consistent supply of this. This is someone like, oh, a zeitgeist. Oh, yeah, you know, two years later, here's more info. We're talking about people that daily are posting videos here. And, you know, I, I think really tonight's show is about the Facebook timeline and the conversations that take place. As well as the new media stars. I don't want to call them. See, uh, I'm sure some of these people will be corrupted. By the way, they attack each other. By the way, they defend each other. And I don't mean the, the, the specific group. I mean, uh, they will attack. If someone's over there on the left and they think someone over on the right is a pundit slash bullshitter, they will attack each other. It's what Congress should be. It's what Facebook should be and a lot of times turns into it's discourse fucking discourse and it is so healthy it is like putting a ton of sunlight and water on a plant so it's not sitting here in the dry moldy darkness it is the game changer information flowing freely opinions flowing freely talent rising to the top all of this shit gives me a boner it really does. I'm I'm serious about seven, eight years ago. I didn't. I was like, man, I am sick and tired of being one guy who's paying attention. What the fuck's going on? And having only a small handful of people be there. Everybody else is a goddamn zombie. What the fuck's going on? And here I am, ten years later, going, holy crap! There's another good broadcaster. There's another cool podcast. Look at this woman and the uh, the uh, research she's doing. Look at this woman and her opinions. Look at this dude and and his intellect. And he's paying attention to the media and the lies. And this dude's got uh, 141,000 followers, man. This is such a good time. It's frustrating. It can get scary a little bit here and there, but it is a good time. If there is a worldwide renaissance, and I truly believe one is coming, I'm not going to predict the date, but one is coming, it is because you just can't hold back the internet. You can't hold back a Facebook page or a Twitter page. Someone's going to learn something today that they didn't know yesterday. It happens over and over and over again, and that is knowledge spreading. And when you got knowledge, you've got power. 
What are we going to call tonight's show? Uh, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Sticks? And Matt Al was their only real redeeming feature, and a lot of people turned him off during the Iraq War. So, like, all oh, these pinkos and stuff like that. And now they're number one. It's like, see, the worst of the corporate brands are the ones that are dying. MSNBC is tolerable because they don't try to hide their bias. Fox- Good point. If you're going to be a biased news channel and say, you know, we're Democratic or we're whatever, you know, you decide. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? Just come out and say who you are. Be honest about it. And that'll always, you know, it's going to kind of like be a thumb on the scale. And, and people are going to hold it against you. But you know what? At least you'd be fucking honest. Now, think about this. When 9-11 happened, CNN leaned way left. Actually, it was more centrist. It was MSNBC even around. Fox News. Absolutely. Just watch Outfoxed. The story of Rupert Murdoch. You'll know what I'm talking about. I, yeah, they didn't, you know, they leaned way right, but they were, you know, they were pure neocon. But they were like, you know, we'll bring you the picture. You decide. And all that promo bullshit they did so back then that's what now Fox is falling apart the people are jumping ship from there to go to another station even though for the last 15 years I've been pumping conservative words out of my mouth I am now on another station that used to be pretty uh, democratic corporate corporate democratic and oh yeah they're morphing more conservative now in other words these tv stations as as this guy does cover here uh, i'm sorry tv networks truly don't have a backbone there is no commitment to we stand for anything it's where is the where's the compass pointing where's the weather vane pointing that kind of thing and they're watching americans shift their political viewpoints and what they believe in what they don't and we're watching an it's not an exodus what would you call that transference it's a transference of these pundits and so-called air talents from one extreme to almost the other, or being morphed, or what is it? What do the Borg do? They don't morph you. Assimilate. Assimilate. MSNBC is assimilating conservative hosts, and MSNBC is literally be, slowly becoming a democratic corporate station. The only difference is they wear blue ties. This is all happening right now in front of us, and Sticks is paying attention. Fox pretends that it doesn't have a bias. CNN pretends that it doesn't have a bias. And so they get uh, the shit slapped out of them while MSNBC that openly proclaims, yeah, we're a bunch of liberals here. We hate Trump. Yeah, get over it. They're actually number one. It's become sort of the anti-Trump network. And then Megyn Kelly there, uh, she, <laughs> she fails in the ratings despite the fact that she gets uh, unlimited free publicity for talking to Alex Jones and it's still a flop. Like, nobody, is anybody still talking about her explosive interview with Alex Jones other than Alex Jones fans making fun of her? I mean, this is great fun. I love the chaos. 
I think the government's dysfunctional. I'm against authoritarianism. There are way too many problems in government, but it's fun to see things be dysfunctional. He's right. It is. If you can, you know, on your Facebook page, go back 15 years later, you know, after, let's say, let's say, let's say I'm what, 15, let's say I make it to 70, so it's uh, 15 years. Okay, let's double, let's double that. 30 years later. 30 years later, my granddaughter is now 30 years old. And she can go to a Facebook page and go, oh, this is grandpa's Facebook page. And you go all the way back to when I was young and had long curly hair and worked at rock stations. And you could hear a video or an audio of me or a political opinion. Now, 30 years later, we're going to find out what what Gramps knew, what he didn't know, and what the truth is. Because they always wait for the bad guys to die. And then they tell you what they did. uh, Kennedy's a perfect example. Most of the real truth and confessions and things that came out, well, that would be, what, 60s, let me see, 70, 80. Yeah, 80s and 90s, when we started to get a lot of the Kennedy confessions of people that were dying and, you know, everybody inside the CIA and that kind of stuff. After they die, that's when it goes on the History Channel. They don't give you the truth three months after 9-11 happens. They wait 40 fucking years to give you the truth. All the bad guys are dead. There's no accountability. Whatever the machine is just keeps churning along. But, but, enough people on planet Earth now realize that 9-11, as the original story has been told, cannot be possible. Everything from forensic science and actual testimony discounts and absolutely rejects the U.S. government's official story of 9-11. See, that's how I think the official statement will be somewhere somehow, like 30, 40 years from now when I'm all fucking dead. But my Facebook page will be rocking. <laughs> Grandpa was right about 9-11, see? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything better than making a public statement. You know, Facebook. I do it for a living, and I've done it for a long time, so it's maybe a little bit less risque for me to do it. But to come out on the limb for anything you believe in or don't believe in and not have it worry about, oh, Jesus, I can't come out for cannabis because my wife's father is uh, anti-pot. Or, oh, shit, I, I can't mention my uh, my homosexuality because the company or boss who I work for is... Is a pretty hardcore Christian, yada, yada, yada. All the things people have had to hold in their whole life. Facebook or Twitter, or especially your Facebook page with a fake name and no connection to you, gives you the opportunity to present to the world the actual you in disguise. Because you're worried about repercussions from an in-law or a church or a job opportunity or anything else. So I like both. I like the person who can put his face right like this kid or kid, young man uh, does right here. Or if you have a fake name and you can't risk it because 
like I said, those earlier examples um, won't allow you to talk publicly about something at war. Maybe you were molested and you'd like to speak out against the Catholic priest or something. The show I'm doing right now is kind of a celebration of, you know, I'm using Facebook as an example because I only use two, really. But by the time social media apps and websites have leveled off, there will be at least a dozen successful ones, probably by now, maybe, where all of us, all our opinions, our, I don't know, ideas that turn into predictions later in life are going to be stored and documented. So if you want to live forever, basically if you want to live forever, put yourself out there in the digital realm. Don't be afraid to speak loudly and and literally say, I'm sorry, this is wrong. I cannot stand for this. This is inhumane. Whatever the subject matter is. Because you know what? 20, 30, 50 years later. Picture this. 300 years later, some old city. Kids are goofing around on their hoverboards. Kid goes into an old store and finds a thumb drive. And thumb drives are universal and have been for so long that he realizes there's some information on this thing. Takes it home, puts it in his pocket, just like a kid who found a quarter. Takes it home. Hey, Ma. Yeah, it was fun. I got two singles and a double. Yep. Okay. I'm going to my room. Pushes that in to his computer, which is probably... 500,000 times faster than the one you're listening to this podcast on. And in comes your life, something you stood for. It's like, uh, I'll, let's attribute it to, to people that go out with their little metal detectors and they find that coin from 1817 or 1474. And it's, a, you know, it not only has value because of its metal, but it, it's a piece of history. It's a piece of history. And here we are with billions of people's lives digitally stored in voice, picture, video, opinions, arguments. I think people are afraid of the internet. I think the institutions that control everything are afraid of the internet. And they should be. It should be. Because for so long, people pretended it wasn't dysfunctional. All the Democrats pretended that the government was doing fine after the Snowden revelations. Oh, mass surveillance, it's fine. We used to ramble about it. Now we've grown up. We're pro-war now. We're pro-government and stuff like that. Uh, it was funny. So seeing James O'Keefe screw CNN, uh, this is a really funny one. So I'll... Uh... Think about that. Um... I guess you could say that the equilibrium or the yin-yang seemed it had a little bit more well-defined extremes. You know, the, the people that leaned left were anti-war. The people that leaned right were either uh, pro-empire and or had financial connections um, to prof war, uh, war profiteering. Now it's 
two people in the same room who really want the same thing, who benefit the same way, and one's got a red tie, one's got a blue tie. You want to find something wrong in your body? Go see a doctor. You get a little, you know, exam or x-ray. and You see a lump or a bump. The first, absolute first part of making sure you heal is addressing what's wrong, facing what's wrong, being honest about what's wrong. This doesn't look good. Oh, oh, by the way. Yeah, the democracy you live in. Yeah, Bernie Sanders, this, and the money came in, but the DNC is rigged. Everything from superdelegates to, of course, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Hillary Clinton and everybody else involved. And basically, not only just steering the, the election towards Hillary, but also taking Bernie donators' money. See, how many fucking crimes were committed in that last three sentences of my my little speech here. It's not until you catch them and you can hold them accountable and you can do it in a court of law and shine a light on it and get it out of the public that more and more people are going to realize we can't fix what's wrong until we face what's wrong. And that's really what these young broadcasters are all about. I think they do an excellent job, and as I get ready to wrap up the show here in a sec, um, I am sure that most of you, if you're a hardcore listener to D.C., that most of you probably almost go all over the Internet for whoever it is you, uh, you seek. And I bet you have probably 50 channels alone that are only about politics or opinion or something like that. That's not me. I'm not a huge internet guy when it comes to, oh, I got to follow this guy and I got to make sure. I don't always feel like I have to be on top of things, but I have noticed that as I follow more and more people or more and more podcasters, I don't even know what you call these guys, that there's a a fairly good fingerprint, like a, a hand wide open, like from left to right, where there's some people that lean pretty far left or they lean pretty far right or they're centrist and so on and so forth. Pretty much filling out that whole void uh, with some balance. And, a, uh, let me see, I would start with the hard bastard. He's my favorite. He reminds me of me. He's younger. He's well-informed. He's opinionated. And he's doing a wonderful job of calling out the scam artists and the shammers in the new media. He, he, he's gone after one specific broadcaster that I don't watch, but um, is it Pac-Man or Parkman? Parkman? You gay. I'm taking my football. I'm going home. I don't, I don't know. But all I know is uh, when I watch the videos with Hard Bastard going after this guy, you can see... The power of truth cutting through someone who's got a little talent or they maybe they have a good-looking face. And then they st- and everything they start to talk about sounds like rhetoric and propaganda, you know. And all of a sudden, a guy called Hard Bastard comes in like Mad Max on a fucking chariot. 
and just starts going, oh, yeah? Stop this video. Oh, yeah? Bam, bam, bam. Fact. Bam, bam, bam. Link. All right. Starts the video again. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. Oh, yeah? Bam. I love those guys. Not only is he entertaining, and the guy can work an F-bomb like like a good clay artist works a pot. You know, like when he's making pottery. Uh, I love me some guys and women that aren't afraid to fucking say whatever they fucking feel like. Who cares? Screw you if you're offended by a word. If you're offended by a word, seriously, you are listening to the wrong fucking podcast. God damn. H.A. Goodman. I like H.A. Goodman, man. This guy, I, I don't know if he's got a lot of caffeine going or if this man is the most dedicated YouTuber Currently, uh, I you know describes himself as a progressive. Is concerned about that DNC lawsuit and Bernie Sanders and Seth Rich and so on. He sees all the dots connected, and he says it's not a conspiracy theory. It's actually a progressive issue. If you're a progressive and you're thinking about let's change this, change that, change that, you know, H.A. Uh, Goodman will talk about those things. But what I like about him is he's not afraid of controversy. I, I really like the idea that uh, him and, and guys like Tim Black and other people are in uh, Jimmy Dore and here I am off the top of Sane Progressive. Sane Progressive, I love her videos. There are a lot of people out there that are as motivated as you to not just learn stuff or maybe open their mind a little bit or, you know, unlearn something. It's so much easier to unlearn something than for our ego to admit we were wrong. If you've been lied to in your lifetime and you suddenly change your mind about something, you're not wrong. You weren't, I'm sorry, you weren't wrong about it. You were lied to. What is so hard about admitting you've been lied to about a subject matter? I don't know what's going to go on with this political movement. Every seems like every two year, four year cycle there is one. I I can remember how the RNC fucked over Ron Paul, dude. I mean, seriously. You know why is Bernie Sanders any different? Oh, because they got caught, and that is the difference. Because Ron Paul got butt fucked by the RNC, and everybody knows it. H.J. Goodman, sane progressive, Tim Black, entertaining, fun, uh, pretty good interviewer, uh, is, by the way, some of the people I've mentioned. Remember, I'm new to these people. They're not new. I'm new to them. Said that last week or the week before. But please follow them. Uh, Zoan Politicon with Holly, I think it's, I always get her name wrong. Let me hang on a second. Seeliger, Seeliger, Seeliger. And, yes, attractive redhead. I think she lives in Maine. And, you know, 30 minutes, 9 hours, 11 hours, 11 hours. That's 1, 2, 3. Okay, that's four videos that day. That's 1, 2, 2 videos that day. 1, 2, 3, 3 videos that day. These are people that want to produce a lot of content. They're they're yeah, obviously their audience is growing. They're kind of new to that vibe. You know, I'm the old school radio guy used to having fans and haters. And, you know, you, you go through 37 years of doing something like that. You, ex, you nothing's a shock, uh, but someone who might be sensitive 
or open-minded and, and, and receives a vicious hate mail, email, that kind of stuff. So, and the only reason I'm saying, I'm not saying that about Holly. What I'm saying is these people are four months in, eight months, four years, maybe five or six years into doing what they're doing. They are like the next wave of new media, not just these people. Remember, this is the tip of the iceberg I'm talking about. But the reason I talk about these people is that they are searching, they are looking, they they're connecting the dots. DNC, Wasserman Schultz, Seth Rich, Clinton, and how far down the rabbit hole do you go? These are the new social media stars. Uh, I'm sure some will derail themselves because they'll take everything so personal that they'll get too wound up and get stressed out and fall out. Um, Some of these people will bond together. They are already doing that, at least in this small crew of people I'm looking at. But they've got each other's back, and that's a good thing. So as I grow, as uh, as I, you know, at, at this stage of my life, I want to add as many channels as I can and watch as many viewpoints as I can, whether it's, you know, progressive or libertarian or anarchist or uh, conservative or liberal or Democrat or whatever. You know, it's always 80-20. It's always the 80-20 rule. So uh, I am looking forward to, yeah, I should have this queued up. Such a bad show host. Thump, make your noise. No, it didn't make your noise. And, ladies and gentlemen, what the fuck's he talking about? He's talking about this. Yeah, I, I'm really starting to think that our digital archives of ourselves is going to not remember what if you end up famous towards the last part of your life but we've got 40 years of you on Facebook and you like taking a shit in public or doing something you know what is that digital information about your life worth I don't mean that monetarily actually I do what is it worth monetarily and what is it worth socially and is it the new history book You won't go to Google to follow someone's life to write a report on some new general or some aircraft carrier guy. You'll go to his Facebook page and you'll say like, oh yeah, by the way, he was really into opera. I am a huge fan of information. I don't care what direction it's flowing as long as it's flowing. What I do care about is... Think about it. The stuff we do is a hobby. This little interactions we're having, the arguments, the unblocking you and all that other crap that's going on. 50 years from now is going to be in a library somewhere. <laughs> no nipples allowed. This is Facebook. So yeah, yeah, that's really what tonight's show was about is As I scroll down my Facebook timeline over the last seven, eight years, I realize I've really put a lot of me out there, and I know you motherfuckers have. (laughs) 
It's amazing what a couple shots of tequila at 2 a.m. will do and the keyboards in front of you. Facebook, prepare to receive my wrath. Talk to you next week. I think. Hey, guys and gals, this is Ian Beckles. You may know me from my nine seasons in the NFL or from listening to me in sports radio for years. But now you get to see and hear the real me, uncensored me, and also unfiltered as well on my new podcast, Ian Beckles, Flavoring Your Ear. What's flavoring your ear? I'll tell you what it is. It's a whole lot of fun. Food, fashion, sports, sex, politics, and my personal adventures as well. And a whole lot more food. Make sure to check out Ian Beckles, Flavoring Your Ear, each Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.